that was fun. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the new media show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenlee. And uh, great to be back doing the show in uh, very strange times in the world. Yeah. And I just got to thinking, Rob, it could have been one of my machines because I'm wired up for the virtual indie pod con this afternoon. Right. So I'm going to be doing doing a little bit of stuff on that as well. Yeah, it's good. So I and I may have been given the feedback. Who knows? Because I added some stuff here. So if if your echo's gone, it was probably me all along. But everyone, welcome to the show. We're obviously a late start and uh, we got our butts kicked. (laughs) So if you're watching this on replay on Facebook, it's. We're 10 minutes in already and it, it's, uh, it is what it is, but wow. So we are, what is this, uh, going into week three of, of lockdown or whatever is it, Rob? I don't, I've kind of lost track. I'm not even exactly sure when all this happened. I think it was starting to happen back when we were at PodFest even yep. in Orlando. So, yeah. um, but as far as the actual lockdown part, yeah, this is, it's only been a few weeks. And things seem to be accelerating. Yeah. And, and you and I kind of work uh, remotely a large part of the time anyway. So for us, it's kind of been like business as normal. But I know that my team down in Columbus has had, you know, it's kind of been like a, it's been an interesting change because, you know, we've, I think we're, uh, yeah, we're on week two and um, we're meeting every morning. We do a team meeting at, at, you know, right around the first thing in the morning and we, find out what we did yesterday and what they're doing today and problems they're having and any meetings we need to set up. And it seems to be going okay. I'll know probably in another couple of weeks if the, if this remote working is causing production delays or anything like that, I've got a big product announcement coming on May 1st and we're marching towards that. So, um, I don't know, I guess we'll just see what happens here. Uh, uh, with remote working with the team. Now you guys at Libsyn, you guys have been working remote for a lot of time, but you still have some in-house people in Philly, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of people that are in our office in Pittsburgh, yeah, in Pittsburgh. that are all starting to, you know, th- they've been working from home now for over a week. So yeah. it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's been an adjustment for those folks in, in Pittsburgh, that's for sure. So, um, but for, yeah, for, for Rob Walsh and I and Elsie and Dave Jackson, it's been, you know, it's like, this is our normal life to some degree, yeah. even though, you know, all four of us spend a lot of time going to events. And as we all know, that's not happening anymore. That's right. So, so it's, it's been an adjustment on that side. Um, thinking more virtual now, Todd, I mean, I think like what we're doing later today with, with Joe Pardo and this, uh, this itty, indie podcon coming up. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, this is a little bit of a sign of what's to come for, those of us in the podcasting space that are wanting to help podcasters get started and learn how to podcast is that we're going to do more virtual events. You know, a so. thing I worry about the indie events is, and I just from previous experiences is people pop in, pop out. It's not like you have this captive audience anymore. Right. Right. There's no in the hallway discussions. It's going to be just pure fire hose drinking of information and people need breaks. They need socializing time. So, if right. the, and, and actually I got a, a proposal from a gal that's doing a virtual pod. Well, it's, it's more of an entrepreneur type of conference and, right. um, okay. and it's later on and her sponsorship levels were as high as what I would as pay a as, as a real world event. And I said, no way. That's an, and I'm not getting the same value. No, and, no. and it was, it, it really kind of appeared to be a, a little bit 
well, you know, you pay and you get to speak. And she had other people come in. I said, how are you vetting your speakers? Number one, that was a question I asked. Number two, are you allowing your uh, speakers that are going to be coming and giving training to pitch? Or has anybody selling anything? Uh, Are you selling anything? I wanted to make sure that if we're going to do a virtual event, that it is going to be follows the guidelines of all these other events we've gone to over the years to make sure that the audience members are getting uh, taught instead of pitched and people aren't selling stuff because some of these virtual events has all these entrepreneurs come in and they've got this uh, mastermind or they got a pipeline or they've got a, you know, they're selling something and people do not want to be sold to for eight, 10 hours during a virtual event. Right. And so for me, it's those, I'm asking those very hard questions, especially seeing how much the sponsorship level was. I was like, you know, it's, I understand you got to make some money, but mm-hmm. your expenses, you know, Joe's doing this today on StreamYard. It's costing him no more than his StreamYard subscription. He's going right. to have some post editing to do. We are happy to step in and sponsor that event because the, the dollar amount was right. And I felt the value re- in return would be good. And want to support Joe. I trust Joe. You know, I, I've known Joe in the space for a long time. So I think that's what it boils down to, too, as part of it is trust. Right. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, lot of distraction that's involved with the virtual events, right? That people can get pulled off into email or off into, you know, calls or what, whatever. It's not a focused type of experience like you typically have at a, at a real conference. So you're not going to get people's attention quite as much and hold it for as long. I agree a hundred percent. Um, but it, but in this environment, that's, you know, what other option do, do people have? Um, right. Right. If they want to promote their business or if they want to connect with others, we, we all have to utilize these online, uh, video conferencing video tools. I mean, it, I've been hearing from, you know, the, the various tools out there, um, that they're just getting, um, overloaded with use right now, you know, like freeconferencecall.com. I mean, a lot of employees are now using these conference platforms to, to do work together. You know, I mean, more so than they ever have before, especially those that are, have been working in an office for all these years. Um, they're, they're being forced to use these other communications tools. So I think we're seeing a, a an era being born here where more and more companies are going to embrace remote work. And I think that's going to be the fallout from this is that I think more companies are going to realize they can save a lot of money by not having as many offices. Well, I think that's beyond clear, but, right. but you know, at the same time, I, I laugh because all of a sudden Slack says they've had 9,000 new corporate clients sign up. I've been using Slack now for years. And what the beauty right. of that is, is yeah, we have Citrix go to meeting. We use that for a lot of client calls. We have zoom. Matter of fact, we, we added a third corporate account for Zoom this week because we were having some overlap and, and there was too many meetings going on. So we needed, a, and it's a cheap license. So right. we, we added another Zoom account. But in Slack, I can just pop up Slack. And if I'm doing a, a chat with someone, like last week I was doing a chat with my marketing guy and I, you know, I just like, okay, I need, to, I need to do a quick call with him. I just reached right up and hit the, you know, the call button. And I called him right in Slack. We did a video conference and I boom, 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 boom. We got the visual, the discussion. And in three minutes, 
which would have took 20 minutes in texting. I was done and I got off Slack and we went back to work. I didn't have to have a Zoom meeting. I was using Slack to make the video call. Right, right. That's true. Though I have had some shaky experiences with Slack's kind of video conferencing technology and stuff like that, where the hasn't been the best of experience, but maybe they've been really focused on that over the last couple of weeks to kind of boost that, that, um, that side of their, their tools. Um, so, and if that's, I mean, if you've had a good experience with it so far, Todd, maybe they, they have been focused on improving that experience. So I think it, you know, it's a good sign. Um, but, but I only use them for one-on-one. I don't, we don't oh, do team okay. meetings with Slack. Okay. Okay. Like group calls. Right? No, no. We use zoom for group calls. If we have a group call and that seems to work out fine as well. Hey, I wanted to say hello to Rick, Skip, Stephanie. If you're in, if you're watching online, make sure you, you check in and say hello. Of course, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitch, we're on Twitter, uh, Mixer, a whole bunch of places. I saw Stephanie in the uh, in the audience. Thanks for saying hello, Rosanna. And uh, anyway, so thanks for joining us live today. Well, Todd, this was a big, big week. Um, oh, Google yeah. Google Podcasts uh, launched on iOS, a little shot across the, the Apple, um, you know, so, boat. Right. I, yeah. I, I, I got to thinking about that. We've been encouraging Apple for many years to get on Android, get on Android. And I'm thinking at this point, they've been up to this point, they've been hesitant, maybe not wanting to, you know, kind of for a better word, drop a turd on the Android. And I'm not saying it's going to be a turd, but they didn't really want to, you know, they really didn't want to be naughty and go over there and drop a Apple podcast app on Android. But oh, hey, all's fair in war right all's fair in war come on apple let's on. let's Bring go on, right? that's right if you've had that thing sitting in the wings and you've got that apk ready you know and you, you've just been thinking about you know punching that bad boy punching the trigger to put that thing on android now is the time and i right. i'm putting out a lots of justification i am putting apple out a personal challenge right. apple Apple, I will be disappointed with you <laughs> if you don't put out an Android app. Come on now. Right. Let's go. <laughs> well, that's what uh, that's what Apple did on Windows, right? That's for, right. For many years with iTunes, right? Yeah. It's only, it's only consistent <laughs> with the strategy that they, they took. I mean, how many users are on Android that they can potentially, you know, get using their, their platform? Y- I mean, you want to move the bubble. You want right. to move the bubble. Come on, yeah. you want to move the bubble. I don't care what Google has done by putting the thing over on. And, and of course, Angela was pissed because he said, did you see what they use for user agent? <laughs> they use podcast as the word right. for the, the user. same as, as Apple. The same right? as Apple, but Apple right. at least puts an extension with the version number. Right. So a- Angela had to go in and write a new parser and he was grumbling to me on check. And he, he says, I, well, I can't even repeat. But <laughs> he... Google, I know someone on that team is listening. Put your version number on the extension of your user agent. Okay, right. come on. Come on. You know, make it unique enough so that you're not the same as Apple Podcast. Right. And make it, <laughs> make it unique to iOS, too. So yes. Yes, it. so you can separate them. Come right. on. This is, this is like developer 101 stuff. I shouldn't have to tell the folks at Google what to do with their user agent. Right. <laughs> well, some of these platforms don't even have an identifiable I, I know, user agent. I know, but you know? We, we can, we yeah. can, we can, 
we can give them a little uh, a pass for you know for being ignorant, <laughs> but not Google. But yeah. uh, you know, so now I'm just I, I I was giggling about it, and I'm thinking, oh wait till we do the new media show because we get to have a discussion about this. Right, right. No, that's true. It's just a minor thing to do in the code of the app. I mean, I don't well, know it's so hard. Well, depends. Right? Right? Depends on what they've coded in, you know. And, you know, there's 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 a couple of coding bases out there that will do both. I'm sure Apple has purely developed for Apple. So they will probably have to, if they're not using Flutter or one of these other code bases that, Mm-hmm. will do both platforms they will probably have to code something up from scratch um i would think because i'm almost sure the apple podcast app is a hundred percent you know ios native i i don't yeah. think so yeah. i would think it would be but but you know it's not that apple doesn't have a big programming team it's not like something you know it's not like they don't have a shortage of coders <laughs> well that and google Right. Right. Those guys too. Right. So it isn't like it's a big deal, but it's going to be interesting. I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago too. Speaking of Google, uh, what's going to happen with uh, FeedBurner? You know, I think it's there's a lot of talk about uh, you know Google putting some more resources behind FeedBurner. So we, we'll see what that means in the long run. So I know, Todd, I know podcastmirror.com I mean, is a FeedBurner replacement. Not that I'm promoting my own product because I am. Well, you know, Todd, there's still a lot of shows and a lot of uh, RSS feeds that are using FeedBurner. It would be nice to have Google support that, right? No, I know. It's been falling for years, right? Because of Google's inattention to that tool, right? As it should have been. Um, We don't need to give Google any ideas on revamping FeedBurner. Rob, it it was our number one tech support issue for many many years we finally oh, we yeah. finally moved it off the off the radar and so if you're a podcaster unless okay <laughs> well i can't even say this for anchor folks because you have no choice you have to take the anchor feed you can't use the feed burner feed well you could if you don't let anchor submit your show so use podcast mirror we've got that there it's free it's modern it's fast it's like a rocket ship it supports podcasting. Right. And we have lots of podcasters that still use Podcast Mirror too. So Sure. Well that's hey. <laughs> use use the new and modern tool as well. Because you you know, who knows how long it's gonna take Google to make any changes here. Oh, and hopefully so. they don't, you know. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, big shot there with and of course they got a new version of the Google Podcast app coming out for Android, so I guess we'll see what that amounts to. Uh, some people are seeing the update. I haven't seen it yet on my Android. Yeah. So I think that, uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll see, but I know the Apple folks are listening. Please, oh, yeah. please, please put your app out on Android. And uh, I think you guys, here's the headline. Now, can you imagine the headline? Within three months of Apple Podcasts putting their app on Android, they gained two, three, four percent of market share. If they could see that's the headline, it could result. Right. Because what are podcasters still notoriously doing today? 
listened on the Apple Podcast app. They don't talk about Android. So if the Apple Podcast app is on Android, all these shows that are promoting the Apple Podcast app or iOS on their shows and completely ignoring Android, then those Android listeners may say, I wonder if that app is on. It's, it's, it's a mind share thing because podcasters don't talk about Android still. Right. No, that's true. That's true. Didn't even talk about the Google podcast app, you know? So this audience does, cause we talk about it a lot. Right. And it does seem like that the, the user experience in the, the new Google podcast app on iOS Pretty simple, straightforward. It gets you to categories of shows. Uh, it's a simple search to do a search for for shows in there. I mean, it, it it appears to be a pretty simple user interface, which which is you know, I think that the Apple Podcast app can be a little confusing at times to use. Um, where this is definitely, I, I I think a little simpler of an experience. So maybe it might be easier for. For new podcast listeners to connect with podcasts in the in this new Google app, so who knows? You know, if if we're going to see a big bump in people shifting using the Apple Podcast app over to this new Google app, who knows? Well, I I think part of it too is brand recognition. Yeah, you know, well, especially outside of the U.S. You know, yeah, that's the thing. So, yeah. I, you know, I think it was. You know, if, if everything else, if all this other craziness wasn't going on, I think it had been a bigger splash because I think right. people are pretty distracted, but, um, we're, you know, I'm looking at view, uh, listener numbers and, uh, yeah, sports has dropped off cause there's no sports going on, but a lot of other genres have, are really up percentage wise are really, really up, mm-hmm. um, from a listing standpoint, faith-based shows right now. <sighs> Oh yeah. Our, yeah. our way up. Um, well, well, and obviously people listening to news programs and updates around the, right. what's happening with the coronavirus. I yeah. mean, it makes logical sense, but I don't I mean, see I the, I my don't old show Todd back in, back when nine 11 hit, um, I had my biggest, um, download and stream day for my, uh, my web talk world radio show on the day of the attack on nine 11, you know, and my right. show hadn't didn't, have anything to do with yeah. news or that kind of stuff around that topic, but people were just looking for information back then. Of course, it was a completely different time. People weren't um, using the internet quite as much and didn't have as many resources as they do now, but people do go to the internet looking for information uh, about big world events like this. And I'm not surprised that certain genres probably spiked pretty heavily. So what I had thought about doing, and actually what I did on my own show, was I opened it up um, when the show was over on Monday night or Thursday night, and I kind of sprung it on them, so I didn't uh, uh, really get a lot of takers, but I, um, well, actually none, because it was just, you know, I had an announcement. I just announced it during the show. If you want to come on and talk after the show's over, I set up Skype so that they could call in. Right. And, uh, I thought we might, I don't know what time does your live event go on today for, for, uh, the indie PodCon. I believe it's at, uh, 3 PM Pacific. So maybe sometime during the show today, I can turn Skype on, on the bottom line. 
And if someone wants to come in and talk about what's going on with their show or, you know, maybe we would allow someone to do that during the show today. So if you're listening now, uh, a little bit later, we may open it up for you to be able to Skype in and, and have, uh, have some commentary with Rob and I here. And I'll put the information up on the screen in a little bit. So you have to be watching live. But I thought it might be just kind of a, in, you know, Mike and I did the Podcast Insider live on the Blueberry channels. We've done two in a row on that. And those are really successful, widely attended, uh, people asking some questions. So I see a lot of podcasters now asking about live. I had people ask how we're doing live here in this studio. And of course, this studio has been set up to do live for, I mean, we've been doing live for six or seven, or almost maybe 10 years. Right. So it's nothing new for us to do live, but I'm telling people now they're brand new. If you're going to do live for the first time and you just want to go on Facebook, just use StreamYard. It's probably yep. the easiest way to get going. Oh, well, my, my segment on the show today is at noon Pacific. Sorry, I got my time. Oh, at noon Pacific. Up. So you're 3 p.m. Eastern. Okay. Right, right, right. And I'm at yeah. 5 Eastern today is what time my segment is. So if those of you want to go on the watch what's going on today, and we don't want you to leave now, but IndiePodCon, I believe is the website, IndiePodCon.com or IndiePodCon.org slash virtual is where the live event's been going on since, I don't know, nine o'clock this morning or something. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's going on today and tomorrow. So two days and lots of content, lots of speakers. They're using StreamYard. It's exclusively on Facebook. Right. So I think that, uh, you know, there, I don't, haven't seen, did you look and see what their attendance was this morning? Have you looked? No, I haven't looked yet. No, I haven't. I wonder if I can bring it up. So let's see here. May I have to use this screen instead of doing it over there? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Acast announced last week that the new listening sh um, numbers that they were seeing were up uh, 7%. Um, but on the Lipson platform, we were off around 12%. You were down 12%? So, correct. Wow. Overall, across all genres. And I think that there's certain genres that are. I think it depends on the uh, show composition of your network um, and what what genres are there and what you know where people are are connecting to the content and I think there's a lot of factors that go into you know why one network would show an increase another network would show a decrease it's hard to really trace it you know I know they talk about uh, like you just said sports and recreation category was down two percent globally. Um, and it says, uh, but other areas like education, entertainment, science, and medicine are all up uh, 10%. Now, one thing that, I, that we did see as a distinction in, in our numbers, too, was we saw a, um, a, uh, an increase in listenership on the weekend. Mm -hmm. So uh, this ACAST announcement only talks about weekend numbers. It doesn't talk about weekday numbers. So mm. it says that, that they saw a 7% increase in listens globally March 21st and 22nd, which is a weekend. Right. But they don't say anything about what the numbers were during the weekday. Well, so, so, which can be a little bit of a clue because when you think about how people consume podcasts, it's on commutes going to work, all this kind of stuff. Well, what's the consumption going on in, in the home as a comparison 
to what's happening during the workday right. numbers, right? And I think that's where you're going to see the falloff numbers. I mean, we, we didn't qualify our numbers with any particular time frame, weekend, weekday. We're just talking across the whole network that we saw about a 12% decrease, uh, which could be the case with ACAST too, but they, they didn't put out an announcement saying that they had a decrease. Yeah, I don't think we're seeing that. So we'll talk about really? it. Yeah, we'll have something up next week about it. I'm still pulling okay. the data together. And I think it could be a temporary adjustment as people are spending a lot more time, uh, you know, trying to find out information about what's going on with this, this virus. Yeah. And people over time, hopefully will get back to more normal kind of content consumption. But when you think about it, I mean, this is a mobile medium. Podcasting is a mobile medium. Mm-hmm. It always has been. And if people aren't mobile, then they're going to have to change. They're changing their behaviors. They're, they're, doing different things. They have the kids are not there or, or the kids are there because they're out of school. They're having to take care of a lot of things, uh, probably more like what you would see in the summer. Right. Right. Um, and, and summer tends to be a time frame when people listen to less podcasts. Although I will say over the past two or three years, we haven't seen that dip quite. Okay. I mean, yeah. it dipped a little bit. Yeah. You know, I think the dip is, I'd say the last three years, the dip was gone. Really? Oh. Yeah. I, I, you know, it used to be like June, July, August, we'd see this, you know, everyone's outside, but you know, I, I, I haven't seen a dip really over the okay. past two or three years. Well, that's, well, that's actually good then. Yeah, it good is. Time. You know, there's definitely, you know, you're going to see a dip right before Christmas, but then a surge right after Christmas. And there's these, you know, these historic times, right. uh, but oftentimes podcasters are, you know, not putting out content, but I, I just tell people now, I, I think this is double downtime. I think this is time to, you're at home. Right. Yeah. You're dealing with the kids, you know, but there's a lot of people. Okay. You don't have commute. You can get your eight hours in, in eight and a half hours. You, you, you're not getting, putting your eight hours in to take, for those who are working from home, you don't take 10 hours or 11 hours to get eight hours in. Cause you're not on the subway. You're not in your car. You, you know, you're not driving to lunch, you're, you know, whatever it may be, walking to lunch, you're going to your refrigerator, you know, you're not going out. So for me, it's almost like I've had to, I, I, the other day I was like, damn, I just, I just put in like 11 hours and I didn't even realize I put in 11 hours. So mm-hmm. I, I tried to force, I actually set my watch now to, to take a break, get up, walk around right. because I have to, you know, and the rest of my team is kind of head down too. So, um, but Hey, William, thanks for joining the, the Facebook live. Appreciate that. Yeah. I think people's work patterns are much more flexible too. I think, uh, especially in, in virtual work, you can tend to work later at night. You can work earlier in the morning. You can, you can adjust your, your schedule. And it also is fantastic if you tend to work on a global, um, basis, which I, been doing for years where you have all these different time zones that you're working in you know a commute doesn't really align with working with um other time zones i mean i mean i mean because i do calls at you know six in the morning do calls at midnight or one o'clock in the morning that that kind of stuff it just doesn't align very well with working in an office well i guess i can do australia calls either late in the afternoon or very early in the morning and 
that's the majority of my stuff. And then we have, you know, customers that are in Brazil. So that's not too much of a stretch time zone wise. I don't do a lot of European calls. If we do, it's in the morning. Right. No, I mean, Um, but it's usually a fairly small window of time that you have to to do that at each end of the day. If you're going to live within kind of normal hours. Yeah. Um, but you know, I did that for many years working for, for Spreaker. It was like maybe two hours at night and two hours in the evening is about all you had, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and, but if you want to talk with, you know, be accessible on a global scale, it's, you know, it's not like you're going to spend, you know, 16 hours in the office. <laughs> we, we found that, um, our tickets are down a little bit. Our support tickets are down a little bit, but our call volume, people calling and want to have a discussion or a demo or a meeting are up. So it's kind of swap. People now are more flexible. They're at the house. So nine They'd to, you know, talk to somebody in person. nine to five, they can, you know, they don't have their boss overlooking their shoulder. So they can take a 15 minute, do a 15 minute call to our support line right. and talk to a team member and not have to, you know, sneak out of the office to make the call. So that's been it. You know, we've seen the call volume go up a little bit and the ticket volume go down. So, um, yeah, but sales, also, sales are, are up. I don't know what right. you guys are seeing, but our sales are, are up. And then also we're being flexible. We're, we're in the process of reviewing our, our cancellation and, and, um, you know, kind of take down policies too, to be, be a little more forgiving of, people's fluctuations in their, their income and things yep. like that to maybe not be as strict on takedown or removal of content from the platform too, giving people more grace time or, or time to come back and do their shows when they can. That right, kind of thing. Right. So, yeah. You know, and it's, if someone submits a ticket and they've got, uh, yeah. they've been laid off or something. Yeah. We're going to work with them. It's, it's, right. It's, you know, it's, it's the, the right thing to do. Yeah, right absolutely. Right. You know, because, you know, all of a sudden you go from having an income to nothing. Yeah. But it's at least right. here in America, you know, the majority of folks are, you know, are going to get a check here in two or three weeks. So that'll be a little bit of relief for some folks. And, yeah. uh, you know, we'll see how long this lasts. My, my daughter, um, this is crazy. And then I know it's a little off topic, but... <clears throat> When you're online, it's a 24-hour business, right? People are coming yep. in, they're ordering, they're submitting tickets 24 hours a day. Yep. We're used and to operating. Time zones, yeah. Right. So just like you were talking about a second ago, well, my daughter and and my son had both been laid off, and I said, "Get your insurance claims in," and I'm you know I'm busting on them. They said, "We can't get into the website. Can't get the website's down." I'm like, "Well, three o'clock in the morning, set your alarm and get up and you submit and submit right. it then when no one's doing." They said, "Dad." The website hours of, now listen to this, Rob, the website hours of operation were from 6.30 a.m. until 11 p.m. And they shut the website off from 11 to 6.30 in the state of Hawaii. Who, who has ever heard of such a thing? I know I've, I've heard of the states doing that kind of stuff. Shutting. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you got to back the system up for an hour. Yeah, but websites don't work like that we we back <laughs> we back up continuously right you know we have a we, if 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 we have a we if we have a database crash 
I don't go back to tomorrow and pull the database. I don't get the database. I, I'm constantly mirroring. Right. Because if I crash, if I have a database crash, right. I got to be able to like, not, and it, it happens automatic. It, the switch flips and I'm on database B. Right. And nothing has, nothing has changed. We haven't lost any posts, maybe 10 seconds worth of post, but we haven't lost a day's worth of posts. So when I, I, I said to them, actually in text, I said, BS, send me a picture. And they did. They sent me a picture of the website. We're currently closed. And I, I was astounded. So I reached out to some of my friends in Hawaii and said, ask the governor why this is the case. And no, of course, no response from the governor. But 6.30 to 11 was the only time they could. Uh, so they just sat there uh, like one day hitting refresh, 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 refresh. And finally got an open port to be able to get in and get their stuff submitted. Yeah. Insanity. I'm like, I understand you're overloaded, but throw another log on the fire. I mean, it's, <laughs> I guess it's a way of throttling demand, I guess. Well, right? Or that's well, the only explanation that you can apply to it. I, I, I don't, I don't yeah. be honest with you. I, I don't understand. Why would you build? Right. That's like, that must be on some antiquated old, like, TRS-80 computer that's got a tape backup or something. I mean, think of it this way. Does Amazon <laughs> close? No. Hours? No. Right. No. So that's not, that's not normal behavior for a website is to close during certain hours. Mike Dell says Michigan does that as well. <laughs> right. So I don't know why a website's supposed to be 20. Get in the modern world, folks. Work to, they can the, make the website work for you. Right. Yeah. So, but anyway, I just, to me, and I guess we'll see what happens, but, uh, um, anyway, I'm watching a little bit on the virtual indie PodCon. I, mean, I just pulled it up here and they've got about 50 people on the stream. Oh, that's good. So as a matter of fact, Joe's on there right now and he's got an ATR 2100 in his hand. Looks like he's got a wireless mic. I don't even see the wire hanging out. Yeah. There's a wire hanging out at the bottom of it. So he's uh, using StreamYard with an ATR2100. So good on Joe. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, It'll be interesting. I think we're going to see more of the those type of events, I think, coming up. I mean, I mean, we've always seen them, actually. It's just, I think there is going to be more of them. And it does raise some questions about, you know, these conference organizers that have been doing physical world events. Are they going to shift to virtual events? I hope you know. not. We get this over. We can all, we can all elbow bump and, or right. maybe we'll have, uh, maybe the new swag will be the uh, rulers with hands on them so we can, you know, we can virtually st keep the six foot separation and, you know, high five that way. But it's so hard, you know, it was just like before we went into lockdown here and my sister had a friend over and we were talking about it and I, you know, we're all like kind of joking and we're maintaining like this, you know, we're all trying to maintain separation, even in my sister's house. And the, and I said something, I raised my hand up, walked over and we high five and, and her husband was like, social separation, social separation, wash your hands, you know, <laughs> because we had yeah. forgot and got excited and did a high five. And uh, so we're both at the. <laughs> And the number one swag event for the next year or two is going to be, you know, hand sanitizer. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Whenever they start making it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, there's people starting to make their own face masks and right. make their own sanitizers now. I, you know, I mean, you start thinking about, you know, Tesla's making, you know, um, uh, was it the making uh, the, the ventilators? The ventilators now. It's I guess like, GM had to have their arm twisted a little bit yesterday to make right, ventilators. Right. So, right. So, Todd, did you see the AdsWiz announcement um, that came out about them programmatic? Doing programmatic buying uh, of host reads. Yeah, I that was an interesting little twist. I think uh, I think that's been kind of the the thing that we've been talking about for for a while now, um, for actually many years of trying to automate um, the buying of host reads. Right. Easier said so, than done. So we'll see how they do on that. Yeah, I haven't seen the the tool yet. It's called uh, was it um, Audiomatic. Is the tool? It's an audio-centric prog- programmatic buying platform to enhance uh, podcast buying, planning, and buying for large agencies. Um, ah. that focused on host read. Huh? Yeah. Oh, there we go. I got your lower third up. <laughs> hey, well, so thank you, Todd. yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I had the uh, the one with the uh, call-in line uh, popped up there for a second. So oh, okay. So we're going to start taking callers here, Todd? Yeah. Do you want to do that? You want to open it up? Sure. Let someone come in? All right. So let me uh, make sure I got the right dealio set up. So we're not going to make it into the show, but if you want to call in, there's the Skype number. All right. Yeah. It'd be great to hear from folks out there in the trenches. Dealing I'm, with I'm the firing stuff. up the second Skype line. It gives... It's on an old Mac Mini, so it takes a... Here it goes. I may have to approve you. I don't know. I'll keep an eye on it. But if you want to dial in and give us your your commentary on, on hey, what's Todd, going on. Did you on. notice that uh, the Google Podcasts um, on the web now has a subscribe button? Yeah, I heard that. I haven't investigated it. So look. You could pull it up on the screen. It's just podcasts.google.com. And so it has a link, a prominent link to visit the show website right there, and then a subscribe button. So when you click the subscribe button, it subscribes. Now, the question is, what's the experience when you subscribe? I'm not it's quite taken sure. forever to load. I don't know why. It's just sitting here spinning on my machine. There it goes. Podcast.google.com. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So click on Joe Rogan at the top corner there. Like I said, it's loading slow. And then there's a subscribe. I don't want to subscribe to his show. On the left. Yeah. So what happens when you subscribe? I don't, it it just highlights. um, I don't see any functional. So what happens when I go back to the main page? Is there a, oh, that's what it is. On your subscriptions, that's what it shows up. Over here in the hamburger, there is a, there's a pull down that says subscriptions. So it shows up on the hamburger. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. so you're, it doesn't have any advanced um, capabilities like download your desktop. No. So it's really just a favoriting 
process. Yeah, what it looks like it is. Yeah, but still, it it has a you know pretty good experience. I wonder if there's some sort of notification process that goes in with that. Well, I guess, well. I guess we'll find out. Right. So here's how it looks like for our show, the last show. It even shows how long they are. I kind of like that. Yeah. So if you'd like to call into the show, GNC Pod 2 is a Skype address. If you want to call in and talk to us, the caller line is open now at WHYTZ. <laughs> so for some reason, our our listening for the show doesn't have a, a link to the website. I wonder. It says visit website. Does it on yours? Yeah. Didn't, it didn't on mine. Huh? That's weird. Oh, I got to talk about this. So on Monday, I'm, uh, my 11 minute commute from the loft to, uh, to my house or to my office. I had Howard Stern on and Rob. It was horrible. They were doing their show from their studio. It was horrible. It sounds like they were talking in tin cans. They're using their webcam mics. I mean, I was simply astonished how bad it really, really was. And well, I mean, a lot of these larger media folks, th- this is all new to them, you know, doing stuff like podcasters have been doing for years. They, they just have never done it. Yeah. Let's see if I can change this on. Call in now. I'll change this. There we go. The magic of an edit. Um, it was, and I I made a Facebook or post about it on how podcasters over the years have really perfected this. And to me, it, it as big as the Howard Stern show is, and iHeart, how they claim to be, you know, this, this, um, now iHeart, they're on uh, Sirius XM. Yes. You know, how, you know, you know, whoop-de-doo they are. And they even have shows that are remote as well, is how, and I guess Howard made a mention a couple of days later and I didn't hear it, but someone told me about it, how he was having a team come in and set up a studio. And I thought to myself, just get a roadcaster, hook it up to your computer and a good mic and you're good. And they can, they could all use zoom. Their entire staff could zoom in. So every one of their team members would just need a roadcaster, a good mic. They would uh, zoom in. And they could do the show. They could have stuff up on the screen that they could talk about. They would have, they could play clips. Right. It's to me, I was, frankly, I was pretty astonished that. um, I mean, a lot of these guys have never had to deal with technical stuff, Todd. They're, they don't know anything about microphones really and how to set, set up a studio or how that all works. Cause there's always somebody else doing it for them. Right. All they do is show up and talk on the microphone. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that, that a lot of these larger media anchors and, and broadcasters have no idea how to do any of this stuff, which does really astonishes me. It, uh, in that, this day that, and age? Right. That they didn't even have a curiosity about it. Right. And he always talks so much shit about podcasters on how it's amateur hour. Well, I'm going to tell you, it, it, 
it sounded like absolute amateur hour. And, you know, you could tell the room he was in, you know, there was, I guarantee you, the room he was in had bare floors, nothing on the walls. There was right. nothing in that room. He, he could have even just hung a blanket and, and done better than a, a big echo. I'm just like, just, I, I, I say, Hey, Hey Howard, I got a million, you got a million bucks. I'll come in and do a consult for you. You know, we'll right. get, we'll get you set up in a day. And, right. um, so, I, I, you know, big applause to all the podcasters out there that had been doing this for years for their homes and, you know, on kitchen tables and where they sound, you see it on TV, watch mainstream clothes closets, whatever you got to do, right? Watch mainstream TV right now. They're having all yeah. these people come in via Skype. And I just, I'm thinking to myself, man, how do they not know how this remote stuff works? It's, it's really basic tools. I mean, there's nothing fancy about what we're right. doing here. And we did a, Mike and I did a little demo and it's not perfect, but we did a little demo in our, my little demo studio here that basically it's the set this up now, microphone, USB microphone, plug into a computer, turn Skype right. on, set right. the, set the microphone to the microphone, set the output right. to your earbuds. Right. It doesn't get any simpler than that. Either Zoom or Skype. And guess what? Skype, you can record right in Skype. You can record. Right. And you have another person with the same setup. You're going to get the same quality that we have right now on this show. Same thing with Zoom. And right. Zoom, if you don't, if you, uh, if your show's less than 45 minutes, you can record for free on Zoom. Right. With, we're two people. You add another person, you need the commercial product. But the commercial product's like a hundred something a year. And you get, right. you can have 10 people on the show. You can ha have a quality recording that comes off it. This is not hard, ladies and gentlemen. This is not hard to do a remote guest. Right. And if you're an expert that's going to be doing interviews on CNN or right. um, Fox News or MSNBC or whatever, ABC or whatever, you know, get a little order into Amazon. Well, <laughs> you, you know, you know now stuff, yeah. I, I ordered, I had yeah. to order um, two land cables and something else. They say in April 22nd on delivery. So because it's not, it's not something that's needed because of COVID-19. So it's going to get, you know, I may have to go over to Best Buy and pay highway pr robbery prices over there to get a land cable because that's the only thing in this town that sells land cable. Um, well, but a lot of those stores don't, don't, don't carry much stock in, in the stores anymore either. Right. So they could easily get sold out. Yeah. I mean, and, and you don't even have to have like even our setup. I mean, we've got pretty basic setup here. I mean, we've got really good microphones yeah. here, but that's the only thing that's really fancy about it. We have the webcam that I use is like $59 or no. $39. Well, we, we can tell you use a $59 camera, Rob. So no, no, this is the, the this is the 920. This is the 920. This is the best. <laughs> webcam that you can we, get. We, right? we need to get you to put something in behind and get a few lights in there. And I think you'll oh, be, I will. <laughs> no, I will. I will. No, I, I won't even talk about that camera right there. <laughs> that camera is okay. not a $59 camera. Well, that's the, that's the, the Logitech 920, right? Uh, no, the one I have in front of me is a 1300 NDI oh, PTZ yeah, right. camera. Well, you've got a high end <laughs> camera, right? Right. But your camera is the $59 camera. Right. But, you know, if right. you juiced up your, your, you know, at least flip that thing to green screen and put a picture of, you know, uh, 
you know, something behind you. We could, we could. Right. <laughs> no, no. And I'm going to, I'm definitely going to, going to be doing that. So. Oh, here we go. We got a call. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So you'll need to turn off your, there you go. I think we were getting the feedback from your audio. Who's yeah. calling in? Hey, it's Greg Riggle, guys. Hey, Greg, how are you? Hey, Greg, how are you? I'm doing well, doing well. I'm just, um, with uh, this disruption in the marketplace, I've committed to coming out and uh, using every technology available to me. I'm sure that I'm going to screw it all up for about as long as the, um, um, about as long as this whole mess lasts, but um, I'm going to do it. <laughs> You know, Greg, hey, you, you have a, a you have a, a great, great background. That's uh, <laughs> this is my uh, office, which is a um, tiki bar. <laughs> well, it looks fantastic. It's a it's a great studio. The only thing we need to do is get you a mic that doesn't completely cover up your face, and I think you're uh, you're bonus. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I actually. Um, you know, with the advent of all this uh, connection, um, with what how we're having to do business now, I've actually been asked to be part a regular part of two podcasts in the last two weeks, and so somebody was nice enough to send me this bit, and um, I hope it sounds okay. Does it sound okay? It sounds yeah, okay. Your your yeah. might your levels might be just a tweak low, but it might be on my end too. Okay. I mean, oh, you sound cool. great. Oh, me. there you go. That's much better. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I just thought I'd give you guys a shout. So, where are you uh, bunkering down at, Greg? So, I, I, well, I've been in Nashville for seems like a hundred years, but I actually live uh, about thirty miles outside of Nashville in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and um. You know, uh, like you, like you guys were saying, I mean, I've, I've worked out of my home for six years. Uh, and, uh, there was a period 97 through 2003 that I left CSAC where, where I spent the majority of my career and I worked out of my home then too. So this is, this is, uh, aside from trying to get out there more, uh, virtually or whatever, uh, this is, this is, hadn't, hasn't been a big change for me. You know, I, uh, I've been hunkered here in the closet. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is this is actually a closet. Oh, that's that's that's. But you yeah. you put those back, and you can't even. Yeah. You can't even tell. Uh, yeah, it's so. nice. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so you're truly in a closet. That's kind of funny. Yeah, and uh, I guess I'll be coming out, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a. Uh, for years when I was living in Maryland and I was running my online bulletin board, the, uh, I was one of the first systems in the country that actually got connected up via the internet. It was really before the internet really kind of fully exploded. And, uh, I had all these modems and computers literally in a walk-in closet. So if I had to go in and I had a monitor or two in there, like and it was the old CRT monitors. I could, I'd have to, I'd open the door. And I, I had a chair in there. I pulled the chair out 
I walked in the closet and pulled the chair in behind me, sat down in the chair and clo- and I closed the door behind me and I was literally working in a closet and that yeah. that little space cost me 300 bucks a month to rent. I rented a closet for $300 a month. There you go. <laughs> I, I, it's, you know, it's, um, it's a kind of a old school cubicle, right? Yeah. You know, got the, um, uh, I did take all the clothes and sports equipment and, you know, uh, suitcases and all the various crap out of it. And I kind of, uh, there are bookshelves that you can't see and um, so a they, lot of other contraband. It keeps the white, wife happy, too, because you close the door when you're not doing anything in there and she's she's happy. Exactly. Exactly. So she was... <laughs> uh, she was actually, this was a spare bedroom and she was actually instrumental in actually creating this as my office. Cause I used to work downstairs. Uh, there was much more space and she was like, you know, nobody else can do anything downstairs. So, um, she surprised me and actually cleaned out this bedroom. And so we have the, um, I get, uh, accused a lot of, um, cultural appropriation because of all the tiki pop crap back there but uh, <laughs> it's my happy place so uh, i suppose i could get green screen or something and put a working office back behind there if i needed to at it's, some point no but, you no, look, i don't think you need no to no no right? no <laughs> you've got you've got a backdrop there that a lot of people would die for so yeah make no changes you're good that's crazy <laughs> hey great uh, give us an update on what's uh, what's going on with there. the 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 podcast music stuff that you're, podcast that you're music. working com. Um, yeah. We are talking with uh, Synth, uh, and we'll be talking to you guys, uh, I guess, uh, offline. But um, Synth's pod, was it Podcast Podfest? Yeah. Podfest, in yeah. Orlando. Mm-hmm. We're talking with um, um, some uh, players that I think are going to push this thing to the next level. I mean, one of the things one of the things that i've been preaching for the last couple um for the last couple years really is the idea that we need to bring the market to the rights holders before we can really push it over the edge at least as far as the major labels major publishers uh and so i think that the people we're talking to currently are going to help us go back to the major rights holders and these folks represent um aggregating thousands of music users if you will or prospective mm-hmm. licensees uh and so i think that's going to give us the leverage that we need in order to uh have the um in order to have the the um the label say yeah there there really is a market here you know it it might not be enough to tell them that there are 50,000 podcasts that could be an addressable market. Uh, we have to have those 50,000 pretty much aligned to, as you always say, uh, Todd, stroke a check. And so I think by talking to these, um, by talking to the people we're talking to right now, I think we're only a couple months away maybe from um, – being able to go back to some of these major labels and get some of these iconic tracks that we've been looking for. So I hope that's okay. Greg, it really boils down to the lawyers on most of this, right? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, I, I think that, um, 
the labels have not been the problem. Oh, um, uh, you know, I think the labels can recognize that there's a market out there and there, there's a desire for people to, um, uh, use music in their podcast. That's recognizable. Uh, what's been the holdup is essentially, you know, folks having to, you know, trying to figure out whether or not it would cannibalize their internal effort. I mean, their entire division is dedicated to driving income in for the masters that they represent or the music they represent. So when somebody comes from the outside and says, hey, look at the big market over here, you know, they they go slow. And, and, and you know, that's uh, that's not an issue. So, no, I think overall we're good. But one thing that we noticed at, at PodFest, which, you know, we were – how long we've been coming around you guys and, and the industry, maybe two years, at least two uh, years. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, we've tried to learn as much as we could, as fast as we could. Uh, and I think about 15 months ago, we, after a couple of conventions, we, we, um, you know, we kind of made the determination and pivoted saying what folks really want is, you know, this recognizable stuff. They want 30 seconds of back and black. But over the course of the last 15 months and a few uh, big podcast conventions where we've gone in and had a booth, you know, we see you guys all the time. Um, what we're discovering is that more and more people are really starting to enjoy the offering that's up there right now, which is 100% bulletproof. It's 600,000 plus track available. And um uh, we're getting a lot of positive response on the stuff that's there now, so that's encouraging. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. A, for a while, in fact, you have to recognize that if you're gonna if we're gonna start working with these big providers, uh, you know, they just want a clear path to not being vulnerable as far as uh, everything that's been aggregated. You know, they don't want uh, uh, you know, they don't want any secondary copyright infringement, anything like that. So they are looking at the idea that the stuff that's up there now will completely suffice for a lot of the stuff that they may be that they may be offering in the marketplace. So they're I think they're going to say, you know, it's like, but yeah, come on, come on through the door. But we're going to make sure that our people use this stuff because it is bulletproof. It has been so. Do you think too that because people are doing more high end on their production that maybe now they're looking for more beds and looking for stuff that's existing instead of you know they already resigned so. to know that they can't play clips so they have to use some sort of a a cleared bed? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that uh, people want their podcast to be more engaging, and you know we've said from day one that you know music is the most the most engaging thing on the planet you know i mean advertisers use it um and um all forms of audio visual entertainment have used it for years and years and years millions of dollars are made in this this mm -hmm. production music world so uh yeah i think i think people are experimenting and hopefully they're getting feedback from their listeners that like yeah that was cool that was cool what you did I mean, it's true that uh, podcast is really the, the the only medium that really hasn't had music accessible to them. I mean, I mean, at the same level that TV and radio and 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 movies have had for for years to add that depth of experience. 
Yeah, yep. I agree with you. And I mean, I think a lot of podcasters have had to kind of create their own music really at the end of the day. That's, that's been really the only real viable path up until just the last few years when, you know, until sites like yours and a few others out there yep. have popped up that yep. are given access to, you know, like soundtrack type music, which has been, been helpful to a lot of people. And I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I mean, the stuff that's up at source audio, they, they power podcastmusic.com. You know I mean? Right. There are right. a lot of folks that are kind of indie musicians, indie artists that, uh, you know, that create for production music catalog across right. the board, but primarily the stuff that's there is stuff that's used by commercial, commercial users. So, right. you know, that's the, that's the big outfits, the most successful production music catalogs out there. But, you know, with this uh, disruption of this virus and, you know, uh, if you happen to be a musician uh, and maybe some of your income is going to go away by virtue of the fact you can't play gigs anymore, uh, you know, maybe there'll be a lot more cool stuff come through that sounds like an artist, doesn't sound like a, a music production catalog. Uh, and maybe everybody now has the time to do it. Almost everybody has a home studio. So, you know, it's probably that that production music solution is probably going to get a lot fresh, more fresh over the over the uh, coming months. We're also um, one thing that we we've been working on. It's not that sexy on the, you know. um, Other than to say that. I, I guess it's not that sexy internally, but um, we're doing a, an artist submission program through podcastmusic.com, which uh, we hope will really, uh, you know, we hope the sound of the catalog of the stuff that's available up there right now via that smart light and inside the uh, subscription that podcasters make, uh, we hope that's going to be a big boon to um, the cool stuff that's up there. Because you effectively, if you let an artist who's making his own stuff, who's viable uh, and interesting and makes great music, you let him through uh, the turnstile and basically allow him to onboard his music onto podcastmusic.com, you're, uh, you're getting the best, best of both worlds. You're getting the indie guys, which are edgier, uh, and you know we're still uh, in talk with major guys. and. Um, you know, the, those kinds of guys, the guys that take the initiative, make their own records and then, you know, kind of distribute it out there to platforms like ours. Those are the people that eventually end up on the majors because uh, uh, they aggressively market what they do. So we're pretty excited about the artist submission program. One of the ways and I, I didn't mean to hijack. Joe, ah, no worries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things we're excited about is the idea that. With the artist submission program, if you have a friend or an uncle or, uh, you know, if if the band down the street that's practicing while you're trying to do your podcast, you'd want to feature them uh, on your podcast and you didn't have the knowledge or the skill set to get the licenses from them, you could literally direct them to the artist submission program at podcastmusic.com. They could, in effect, authorize the use of their music in your podcast, and you guys meet there at podcastmusic.com, and you're you're done. 
you you have a you have the benefit of the smart license uh and you have the ability to uh provide them some kind of compensation for using it on your uh show so that's kind of a cool little deal too and so we're hoping that will be up and running very soon 60 days maybe well i've already got some pilots it it shouldn't be so hard you know know. but when it's you know you've got five or six different license types and you know who owns the copyright and you know one person has the lyrics the other person owns the music and it's just yeah it's 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 insane it's it's crazy and it you know, I spent all those years in the side of the industry that was, you know, kind of responsible for a lot of that complexity. But uh, and so that's now why I work uh, on behalf of both the rights holders and the licensees. That's my perspective, because I say, hey, the direct link between the podcast producer and um, and the creator of the music, the direct link, that's the way to go. Well, so you, you you can circumvent a lot of this. Stuff. It was it was ASCAP's job to squeeze every last penny out of that music. <laughs> no question. And they and every one of those groups had that goal, you know. And then it ended up giving these layers and layers of bureaucracy that, after Napster, absolutely, completely, you know, you have downloadable content. Oh my God, you are you are a. Uh, you are a scourge of the earth when it comes to music. You know, if you can stream though, if you can stream, you're good. But if you are downloadable music, man, oh man, it's insane. Well, there's no public performance download. And so that's the the other thing we've had to kind of talk about with the right holders is the idea that's, you know, hold up because, you know, it's not going to be as expensive as you think it is to, you know, make these licenses available to people. Because you don't even have a, a dog in the hunt for the majority of it. You know, if, I, if I've learned what you guys tell me, you know, it's like still pretty much an RSS feed conveyance at this point, right? So uh, they're, they're sometimes out of the picture. But um, no, it's, it's going good. So but, don't let me hijack your show. I just wanted to see if uh, all my stuff worked. Sure, it did. And, you know, here's the thing that's interesting, Greg, is that you look at SoundCloud now and uh, all these folks that were trying to sneak in SoundCloud the back door by putting music in as a podcast, they're just getting crushed. Boom, 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 boom. You know, we see what we get is we get an email with 30 shows that have been removed. They do it in groups. We don't get them one at a time. They'll say, oh, here's 30 shows we've removed today because of copyright violation and uh, they're off. I mean, they don't just take the episode down. They take the show down. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's on Spotify, <laughs> right? Yeah. I Spotify mean, Spotify, is, sorry. Yeah. Spotify. Right. right, right. So yeah, I think, um, I think the solutions are, are right around the corner. And if you, you know, if you know the right people to ask, I always used to talk on panels and I would tell people, and I, I, I'm not sure they believe it, but you know, it's like, you got to have some stuff, uh, you know, you got to have certain things in place if you want to make a, um, a business out of your podcast, you know, probably need a lawyer a time or two (laughs) throughout the year. You know, you, you, you need a great host, you need, um, great, a great hosting company, um, podcastmusic.com. We can be your music guy and you're quite literally um, you know, a few phone calls, a few emails, a few texts away 
from being able to make a connection with the music industry that you didn't have before you came on board. So, you know, we can be the music. Absolutely. And I know that you guys have been doing a lot to, to expand the space in that regard. We're, we're trying, man. It's uh, not easy. Not cheap either. My understanding. Yeah. We've been, we've been trying, I mean, I've been trying to teach the rights holders, the, the big guys. It's like, you know, the magic of this, of, of, of how scaling this audience, you know, how, how incredible it could be, but they always like the, they think, quite frankly, they think every podcast is Joe Rogan, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't we all wish we could be on that $30 million pay, paycheck yeah. payroll as well. Right. Uh, the guys that taught me licensing, uh, back in the day, they always used to say, uh, you know, I mean, they call it stack of nickels. So you have thousands of little licenses, little value licenses, but it adds up, you know, then you can disperse it back to the writers and publishers. But the guy, one of the guys that I worked with, he, he always used to say, would you rather sell a guy cow or 500 hamburgers? Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what's, uh, what's more usable, the right? You know, the profit margin on 500 hamburgers. So I, I, you know, you know, speaking of Joe, I, you know, I like Joe's show and, but to me, it's like, he's not doing anything that that's much more incredible than a thousand other podcasters out there doing. And matter of fact, there's probably a thousand podcasters that have better production than Joe Rogan. It's just that Joe was early. Joe got his name known. Joe has grown, but it amazes me the number of super incredible shows that are doing interviews. And they may not be smoking weed during the show, but um, <laughs> at least they're having these great conversations. So I think people, all, you know, people can copy and mimic a lot of what a Joe does. But uh, of course, Joe's unique, and then he has everyone in the studio. But now I, I don't know—is he doing in-studio interviews? Is he doing remotes? I haven't listened to a, a show yeah. recently, so we'll see how his show dynamic changes with the current times. I consume his show. I. I I confess, I probably listen a lot because I consume it just the, the, the snippets off of YouTube. Sure. You know, so uh, uh, I think the interesting thing about that show is I don't know how they do it. I think he's got he's got a nice Rolodex and I think he's um, I think he's a really smart guy. Um, I love the guests on that. show. I mean, I kind of yeah. listen around Joe in order to hear what the guests have. They're really interesting guests. So, yeah. I mean, there, there's a delta there that probably hasn't been figured out by a lot of really good uh, podcasts. It's like, yeah. how do I get the great guests? Right? Yeah. Right. And plus, he makes them come to the garage. and Right. Which right. he may not be doing that as much in the future here. That's what right. I'm saying. What, what, will right. the, <laughs> what will the show be like without, are they going to, you know, is he still going to have people in the studio? So, yeah. So one thing I wanted to talk about too, is the whole download bias, right? So as Todd and I have kind of talked about in the show many, many times too, is that, you know, sure the download is the metric of podcasting, but at the end of the day, um, there's, there's always pushback on that saying, well, podcasting is more of a click play experience now. Um, I mean, at some point, you know, does podcasting kind of shift into a perception where the download really isn't uh, considered a a risk 
of uh, the rights holder anymore just because people aren't uh, drag and dropping you know mp3 files around like they used to in the early days of the medium people are just click and play and nobody's storing these media files or very few people are storing them or let let alone knowing actually where to even go get the media file to rip the music out of the out, out of the mp3 which i think the the rights holders have always been scared of right and right. the reason that they've been scared of download is the is the loss of control of the content um but greg i mean is there do you have those kind of conversations with these folks as they well, talk about licensing? Yeah. Oh, first of all, Rob, blasphemy that you would talk about the download going away. But anyway, go ahead. Go ahead, Greg. I'm not saying it's going away. <laughs> I'm just saying that the experience of the of the listener is definitely changing in, in its perception. And it it basically, I think, is less of a risk to the, the rights holders. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I mean, from... The PROs, that's the, that's the kind of the context I bring to it. Uh, the PROs, I mean, I think they, they just, they found the ruling that there was no public performance in the download. They found that ruling to be kind of, um, you know, that was difficult if you were trying to build licensing propositions inside these different um, uh, industries. So I think they kind of looked the other way on podcasting for a long time because there is no public performance in the download. But as far as the users are concerned, I don't think it matters. I mean, I don't think that, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not a tech guy, but most of this happens uh, audio to ear. It's a progressive download. So right. can't really you can't really feel the difference between the download and the stream, right? So right. at least that's my user experience. So, right. and that used to annoy us at the ERO too, because it's like, well, it feels like a stream, you know, uh, people are being served music. So uh, why aren't these progressive downloads at least carved out of that decision so we can license those? Uh, right. But, uh, you know, that was kind of the ace in the hole, the idea that, it's going to act like a stream, but technically it's download. So go away, Mr. Rascap. Go away, Mr. Go away, Mr. Right. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I have no knowledge one way or another. Uh, I, I don't think that the, I don't think the right holders feel that um, the lack of ability to license the download for uh, the public performance music, I don't think they much they might care one way or another. Um, and if we start dealing with these companies that have aggregated a bunch of content anyway, chances are they may even have a, a license arrangement with ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and GMR. So, you know, the whole performing rights aspect of it is going to be taken off the table anyway. So, um, and I, don't, I, I can't, I think you're right. I think that the labels, that own the master, uh, they get nervous when when you're downloading the you know the right. uh, the master, right? right. Yeah. But uh, what if all of the listening apps just decided to do a um, change the file name on the download and store it? You know, it could be even you know encrypted in a in a file folder on the device, so the the listener couldn't actually go in and actually get the mp3 file 
um, and, and find it in their local system. I, I know some of the platforms in the past have done such a thing um, mm-hmm. as a way of protecting those copyright holders. I don't know, Todd, that may be blasphemy as well to, to, <laughs> to think about that aspect too, of not being able to go in and find the MP3 file. Um, but I do believe that that's been done in the past. I mean, certain, yep. you know, as you think about the, the click play experience, uh, right now in a browser, that's kind of what happens. It, 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 it doesn't completely download the file. You click play and it progressively streams to the player, but there is no file that you can go in and, and capture as far as I know, Todd. Well, in, that's not the case though. If you. In, yeah. But where would it be? Is it in the well, download folder or. If you've. The only way you can protect media truly, even in a private podcasting solution is right. in the app. Anytime you put it web based and put the web player up there, that's that file is physically linked in that metadata and you can get the file. So yeah. Yeah. But if the player doesn't have the media file link in it, like uh, Lipson doesn't display the actual media file link in the player, but I can go to that source code and I can see where that media file is. I can look at the source on that HTML page and very easily find that link. No, but I mean, we don't display it in the embed code is what I'm saying. So you can't actually find it in the web page. So it's actually a, just like a, uh, it's like a token that points back to the server. Well, you right? don't provide a download button on the. Yeah. Play. I mean, you can do it that way. Right. So yeah. it is possible to download those files, but I'm just trying to think of a way that we can get around this whole perception of that download is a big risk. Right. Well, it's, it, you know, here's the crazy part. You can turn on Spotify or Pandora and you can turn a, you know, what did I do as a kid? You know, when I was a kid and it was before the internet existed, I had a, a cassette player set up with a line in from my, and right. I listened to top 100 show or top 100 site. And as soon as the song came on, I wanted to capture, I hit record and captured the cassette recording and I could take that to my car and I had right. the album. That's right. That's so true. someone can still rip the audio from, they can rip the audio today if they want. Right. I, I used to rip audio. There was a program that would listen you to streaming right. music. It would knew where the break was. It would rip classify ID three right. tag, everything and put it in your library. Yeah, from a live stream. Client so, software. I agree with you, Todd. There was client software that recorded streams. Still right? is. So yep. you know that stuff's been around for decades now. So yeah. so did, did they yeah, need to get over that's it. That kind of out. You know, I mean, the, the presumption there is that you're doing it precisely for that. Take it from your TV room to your car. You know, back in the day. So it's inside the circle of family and friends. So it doesn't really constitute a quote, quote public performance. So yeah, that right. was, that was never really an issue. Although they, they were happy to charge you an additional, uh, uh, surcharge for taping. Remember the whole home taping <laughs> act that was out there that, yeah, so they, and, and, they well, found a way to get a little bit. As soon as you get on an airplane and go to any Asia country, you go and you can buy 25 CDs of 25 <laughs> albums for, for, you know, for five bucks, you know, you, you know, so, well, the ripping was going on overseas for many, yeah. many years. You come back with a stack of all the albums that you didn't, or, or you go online and order a hard drive and they would send you a hard drive with 50,000 songs on it. So yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, I, mean, I have, yeah. I have, a, yeah, but people aren't doing that much, that stuff as much as they of used course to not that. anymore no, because no. they've I mean, got, they're paying with a platform called uh, replay radio back in 2002. 
that you could set up to record live streams, right? But and that could be music, it could be a podcast. And I actually encourage my listeners to record my show. Everyone's right. paying nine ninety five or fourteen ninety five a month right. to Apple for all this library that they may already own, you know. So, you know, we're so yep. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we're, we're spending more money on music today than we ever did. You know, I, I, I spend I, I spend some time thinking about the idea that over the last 30, 40, 50 years, all I've done, I've just rebought things. Right. You know, how over many, how many cars right. do we buy? How many refrigerators do we buy? How many, you know, homes do we buy? How many, uh, you know, just, I just rebuy stuff, you know? So I guess it's okay that. They're now charging twenty nine bucks for a vinyl album that, you know, um, that we used to spend what two ninety nine for three ninety nine for. So, when I was in my DJ days, um, I would buy twelve inch singles. That was a thing for the DJs, yeah. and I would buy three or four of some songs because if you if you're trying to mix those, you know, you would have two or three tables, and you'd have the the same song on two different tables and extended mixes wait, yeah wait wait, wait 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 todd i didn't know that you had a dj day yes in back past. in the 80s i did i was a dj and i could i could handle about this, i could handle four lps on wheels of steel and i could mix with the best of them i just I, i'm telling you straight up so um so i literally have and matter of fact i've been buying storage boxes because all my stuff was in milk cartons for or those basically would handle four gallon. They're perfect for putting an album in, except the top of them didn't quite protect the top of the album. So you couldn't stack them too high uh, or certain way. So I've been buying boxes now, storage boxes for my, I have over 10,000 vinyl records. What? Yeah. Over 10,000. Yeah. Over 10,000. Think about that investment. So now it's like you said, Greg, um, (laughs) You're gonna rebuy it somewhere so, else, or you're or you're <laughs> or you're ripping them, but you know you're getting you know you're putting it on the LP, and I you know I've got a nice LP player, but I, you know I nothing nothing is better than listening to a to, to vinyl, in my opinion. I'm kind of one of those, but I don't spend eight thousand dollars on an LP player or a liquid cooled. Uh, so you know some people do that. Uh, but yeah, it's been kind of an ongoing project of mine is to get all that stuff reorganized. And now you go into thrift shops and stuff and they say, Hey, you know, pick what, you know, 25 albums for, for five bucks, you know? So at least you, at least you don't have the problem I have, Todd. Um, so having been in the business, um, I, I have, I currently have about 2,500 LPs of the same <laughs> album in my, that uh, in my in my attic you know that's it's funny. like i did a project many many years ago and uh, this is pre-internet days and we we had this ingenious it was a it was really a, something we were very proud of but we had a, a kind of one of the first brand extensions as a, a recording company for the old farmer's almanac and so we made some records they were kind of Americana records, but one record in particular, our distribution channel went away. They had these things called old, uh, uh, uh old farmers almanac general stores. And they were like in malls and we sold 3000, 4000 albums the first week. 
And we're like, that's it. We've done it. We've, we've, we've broken the code. We're going to get rich. And then something <laughs> happened and the, 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 uh, our distribution channel went away. The, 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 all the mall stores went away. So I ended up with 2,500 copies of a, a single album in my, that's funny. Uh, yeah. And so I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'll do with them, but well, you have a, dragging them around. Yeah, you know, bring them to some event and give them out to people. So what happened with me was, was during the transition from LPs to CDs, all these DJs were getting rid of their LPs and I would just like, Hey, I'll give you 10 bucks for your 400 LPs. And I, I would carry, I would load my car up with LPs I got for free. So, or literally for free because they were putting transition, everything to CDs. So, uh, yeah, I got this huge vinyl collection. If you've got, got, uh, if you've got thousands of, uh, uh, those extended play. Yeah. Yes. That were made for DJs. There's some collectible stuff. Oh, I know there is. And some of those all have two or three of those of a single song. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so those of you that don't know what a 12-inch single extended, it's a 12, it's a full-size LP with one song on it. Right. And it's extended mix, different riffs, different, and we use those, you know, there are records that have, like, grooves in them, because that's a place that you, you just sit there, and right on that groove, you know where to put it, and that's where you were, where you were rocking it, and. Uh, they didn't make very many of them. I mean, so that's no. why some of them are collected. Yeah, because they made uh, years ago. I worked for a, a a music distributor, and we had a uh, what we call a rack, and it was basically a, a a DJ collective. And the DJs would come physically to the plant and pick up their, you know, their twelve inch discs for the week. Yeah, and so yeah, it was. It, it's kind of. I'd have to go to the music store every week um, from about eighty four to eighty eight that was my prime time of doing DJ work when I was overseas. And we had one music store that would get in 12 inches and we would like stand outside the store because they knew they had the fresh shipment in. And anyway, yeah. we've gotten way off podcasting here, but <laughs> yeah, sorry. Once again, for, I just wanted to see if the call in work. So, yeah, it did. I enjoyed it very much. So yeah. it'd be cool to have an old DJ show. And here's the crazy thing is I had, um, Four tables that were, what's the model number? They're Audio Technica tables. They're real expensive now. I sold all four of them. They're, they're like worth $3,000 a piece now. And I, saw, I think I sold them for like 50 bucks each or something when I finally kind of quit. And that's my only regret is uh, getting rid of some of those hard to come by tables that were so famous. Very balanced. Yeah, yep, the whole nine yards. But anyway. <laughs> So yeah, Rob, you learn something new every day, don't you, on the show? I yeah, certainly do. I didn't know that you had a DJ um, days in your background. There was a guy by the name of David Fielder. He and I don't know where he is today. He was, uh, I think, from Rochester, New York. Um, we were in the Navy together, and uh, uh, he was uh, one of the early dudes that was doing break dancing and uh, rapping. Really wasn't his forte but he was a DJ and we would sit in his room and do mixes and make mixtapes. And so he kind of taught me, I, that was how I kind of learned from this guy named David Fielder. And it was again, 84, 85 timeframe. 
you know, when you're in Guam, there's not a lot of entertainment. So it's, you just learn to do weird things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how weird that is, but I guess that's, well, it was, you know, the whole, you know, unusual. you, you got a, you know, you got a 10 by 15 room. You got four turntables set up speakers that are blowing your earballs out. Really, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. at, at a great time, but anyway, so all right. I well, great. At the bottom of the hour, right? Yeah, almost there. Greg, thanks for joining us and jumping yeah, in. Thank you for letting me uh, try try this out. This yeah, fun. absolutely. Yeah, and we are. We're all, we're a little long here. Um, but if there's anybody else that's in the chat room that wants to jump in, jump in real quick, let us know. Otherwise, we're going to kind of wrap things up here. I'm gonna. I can just leave, right? Yeah, you can just leave. Just hang up. It's Show good. me the door. Bye, guys. Yeah. Thanks, Greg. See you all later. Right. Thanks, Greg. Take care. You never know where the new media show is going to be taken on a daily basis. But if there's anybody who wants to jump in real quick, you can do so. I bet we're going to pull the pull the plug here in a few minutes. So this is what I'm talking about, Rob. This is a, what we can kind of have a little fun with the show a little bit now that we're in these weird times. We can still do our thing. Sure. But open up the call line and uh, let people come in and let us know what they're doing. And you can learn about people's past. <laughs> Right. Learned <laughs> new things about Todd Cochran. Right. <laughs> hey, I did see that uh, Deezer did a big uh, podcast makeover of their app, and it looks yeah. really, really good. Yeah, they did. So. And oh, here comes somebody. Oh, somebody's coming in. Oh, it's Greg again. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. I think he hit the Oh, no, the it's, not, it's not Greg. It's the. Uh... I don't know if you can see any video. Uh, can you hear me? I can't see yet. We can hear you. This oh, yeah. is Rick. Um, yeah, it's, it's Rick. Um, yeah, I, I had my video set up, but I don't know why it's not coming through. Well, anyway, <laughs> for some reason. Well, we can see your logo. So Rick Savoy, uh, one of the old school, long time podcasters. You're part of the OG. Yeah. How right? are y'all doing? We're doing uh, good. Watching the show and it's great as usual. You know, you guys are my um, how how do we put it the the uh, uh, mastermind. Okay, mastermind. we're the mastermind. I know you hate that term, but but you are my mastermind. So uh, uh, I just want to let you guys know that. Hey, thanks, Rick. And you know, Thank I you. I should have brought this up earlier, but. Rob, did we want to talk about the potential sponsorship that they came in? Oh, I, well, I suppose we could. <laughs> you saw my response to the email, right? Yeah, right. Do you think that Couple ended the, it? Uh, well, <laughs> probably. <laughs> we shall see. But so, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the team behind Nick Qua, um, that's doing his new podcast reached out to us uh, and wanted to promote his uh his new podcast oh, on the new media show. So, yeah. So Rick, what do you think my response to that was? Uh, I tell you what I would, well, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no, there is, uh, Nick is, if Nick wants to sponsor this show, he is going to have to recognize and talk about the 99% of the rest of the space that, he does not talk about now. I think that's a, a nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's what we uh, told them. So. Yeah. And I actually, Rob made a comment and I, and I copied Rob's sentence and I put it in and I said, basically, and I multiply this by three. And then I made a comment below. It, was, it wasn't too harsh. I actually said, oh, I was kind of, I don't want to read what I said, but I was kind of blunt. New media show blunt. <laughs> You know what? I, I always hold out some hope that maybe uh, Nick Ball will, you know, maybe turn around. Yeah, I mean, we've point. always hoped that. Yeah. Well, no, I'm, I mean, I would love to have him come on the show and talk about it. I oh. just, he hasn't been willing to do such a thing up till now for for some reason. So he's I'm, starting his, and he's yeah. starting his own podcast show about podcasting. Right. But he doesn't acknowledge the, except for his little bubble of, so Nick or your PR team, if you're watching. You have to, you have to talk more than about NPR and all the little bubble of companies in the New York, Boston area. There well, is. He's built his tribe. That's his tribe. Well, it is his tribe. I yeah. agree. With, I agree with that. I talked to Nick just a few weeks ago, uh, back when we were doing events. Um, yeah. And that, that's what he focuses on. And I guess he has every right to focus on that. It's just if he wants to be involved in this show, um, you know, that, that would be a contradiction to what we're all about. No, so. it, our reputations would be called out. You right. all would call us out and say, what are you doing? Right. Right. I, I wouldn't, I don't know about that. I, I, I wouldn't think any less of you for having, uh, for, for getting involved with Nick, uh, somewhat. I, I would think that it might be a good thing for the yeah. indie space to be able to, to get us out there. Uh, I'm just saying, I don't know that that's going to happen soon with him. Uh, the, his mindset is, is completely different from ours. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that the right thing to do would be to have him as a guest on the show. I, I think that would be the first, first attempt. It's the same thing, you know, like having Hernan from Wondery on the show. It was, you know, it's good for him and it's good for the community to, to hear from those folks. And I think too, I mean, I, yeah. go ahead, Rick. I was going to say, I know that there is a contingency of podcasters out there that, that definitely wouldn't take kindly to that. They, they wouldn't take that well. And, and I, I understand that, but you know, also it's important for us all to understand that the only way that we're really going to uh, break through uh, and, and get our message out to uh, what I like to call big media is to, to take that step. Well, we don't, you know, it's not that we've not tried, you know, many of us have communicated with Nick to deaf ears. And even when there's been big announcements by, doesn't matter if it's us, if it's Libsyn, Podbean, doesn't matter who makes the big announcement. He, he refuses even acknowledge that we exist. Not even, okay, so there's two layers. The companies and the podcasters and when he doesn't acknowledge either group then there's a fundamental you know if he's going to do a podcast about podcasts he's going to have a very very narrow audience if he just talks about you know yeah. his his tribe and his group it's it you know we try to be inclusive here to everyone we've had the pocket cast folks on we've had like turning on we try to we we make invitations to people all the time to come on and they don't 
So it's not from a lack of trying. Rob and I want to have all these folks come on and share their stories and what they're doing. And we build this interrelationships together. We see each other at events. We, we, we wave at each other, you know, but we really never have this huddle up time where we're talking about the common good of the space besides some of the associations we belong to. Right. You know, if I may interject something here just briefly about that, I think that it is possible, and I'm not making any predictions uh, here, but I think that it is possible that this uh, COVID-19 um, situation that we're experiencing now, where we're all at home and we're, we're kind of shut in and we're having to do more things remotely, this might actually become an opportunity uh, to break that ice somewhat. I was watching uh, Robin Sale. Uh, I was watching this video that she put out, about a five-minute video, uh, and she was talking about how a lot of the, um, you know, the late-night show hosts were all of a sudden saying, well, you know, we're all shut at home. We're doing it from home, and we're doing it without our writers we're doing out our producers although there probably is a little bit of that still going on but sure they're kind of doing it at home uh with webcams and and with whatever they have available and they've got their families involved and things like that and it's they're having to there's a learning curve here they're they're having to all of a sudden go from a a very highly produced show that they have really little involvement with other than having to sit down in front of the camera and the mic do it to all of a sudden having to do this remotely on pretty much on their own and uh it's the results are not always great and and as you were talking earlier we you know we were talking about howard stern and how how terrible that turned out and howard stern has well his attitude is uh, not as nick Foss, but it's 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 been sort of well, you know, it's poo poo the, the the indie podcaster. You know, podcasting is not you know it's just wannabes, radio wannabes playing. And he was he was always, you know, the comments that he's made before. I'm not going to go into, but you, you know what I mean. And all yeah. of a sudden, he's found himself in the situation where he's having to, uh, in a sense, learn how to do this. What we've been doing all this time, and I'm thinking that you know this might be an opportunity based on on Robin's. Uh, uh, video. She brought up some very good points. That it's actually an opportunity for two things: one, for us to learn from them and see what they're uh, how they're starting off, uh, but it's also an opportunity maybe for them to learn from us, for us to shine and maybe uh, be able to step up our game a little bit and show them how it's done. And maybe, maybe that might be a way for us all to sort of break the ice there. I think too is that I'm knowing Howard Stern and the perfection that he is, I would bet by Monday that his show is squared away. And I bet you they've got everyone up on the speed and you know, right. he's a quick learn and don't get me wrong. We may learn something from him before it's all over too. So I'm going to be keeping my ear to the ground. Um, even though we're having a little fun right now with him, he, he is going to figure this out and you're going to have that same Howard Stern sound of, uh, from his studio. And I'm sure we're going to hear, we may see some new tools come out of this, which I think we all need. And at the same time, um, what we, uh, um, what we do is he'll, you know, he'll get a, a different perspective. It's not going to stop him from calling in because you know, they do gags all the time by calling in to talk shoe 
and to um, a variety of different live platforms where people are doing a show and they usually find the most wonkiest show out there and they call in as a, a gag guest or, or a caller and, and do some pretty rude things. And that's not going to change. He's still going to be a riff on that and have fun. But because um, he does find some of the some of the really, really cringeworthy content that's out there that the most of us would even kind of roll our eyeballs on a little bit. Um, but you no, know, what's to say that Stern couldn't call into this show? You know, he could call in the show and we, I'm sure that would be a, a great conversation to have with him about his experience. And, you know, who may, who knows, maybe that opportunity would be available at some point, but that would we like, could all have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. We'd all hit, the, we'd all hit the jackpot on that one, but uh, <laughs> you know, is it going to, you know, we're not making no money. He is. And uh, so, you know, he, he ultimately gets the last laugh because he's still getting paid, you know, big, 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 big dollars. Right. I just but think if he keeps doing his that, show like he would. did the other day, he may not be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, it, it, I kind of, uh, it sounded like tin can. It was like, it was talking, turn, 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 you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm sure he's cringing at the same time. He's doing the best with what he has, but I bet by Monday it all changes. Well, yeah, the, to, as be, it should. to be fair about it too, is that now, as you know, I've been podcasting for, for many, many years and, you know, I'm one of the OGs, so to speak, but um, the show that I do, that one that I do on my day job that I get paid for, two-way radio show, uh, the company that I work for, we've always done it with three mics in one room, and it's been fine, and occasionally we'll have a guest on that, that, that remotes in, and that's not a big deal, but uh, we've always been right there with each other. Of course, with this uh, situation, we've been forced to separate like everyone else has and we did a COVID-19 episode that that we just posted last night and we ran into the same the same technical issues because uh you know obviously I'm doing it in my home studio which unfortunately I, I wish you could see because I have all the lights <laughs> on but uh you know I, I I was set up here had a roadcaster going and everything and, and I sounded great uh one of our uh co-hosts he was at the office and he could do it from the office, and he had sufficient bandwidth. But uh, the president of the company, uh, Danny, he was at home, and him, his bandwidth was not great. And we were using Microsoft Teams to hook up because that's what the company had. And um, his audio was was very problematic. And uh, you could really tell the difference. And in some cases, it was almost un unintelligible, unintelligible at some points. And I had to really work with that audio get it up to where people could really uh really tell what he was saying very well and i was really uh, i should say i was really frustrated because here i am a seasoned podcaster and i know how to do this stuff and i should be able to get him up to speed but uh there are extenuating circumstances now he's out in a little more of a remote location and his bandwidth is not great uh in fact it was you know he he has issues with that sometimes so there are just sometimes there's some extenuating yeah. circumstances you can't do anything about. So, I mean, I, I understand that. And with these new guys getting aboard, and in the case of Howard Stern, now he has money. He can Monday, like you said, he can come in and throw all the money right. he wants at this thing and, and make it work. Yep. Um, a lot of us don't have that advantage. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
Now, I've learned from things uh, that we did yesterday uh, with our podcast, and uh, I'm going to try to fix some of those uh, going forward, and which is good. Uh, but once again, we don't have that kind of money that maybe Stern has and that, uh, say, like Jimmy Kimmel has and some of these other late night hosts have that they, they can just throw into it and fix it all. So um, that's here's my suggestion to you. Make sure, number one, everyone's on a wired connection. No one's on Wi-Fi. Yep. If that means stretching a land cable to wherever the router is, that's what you got to get done. Number two is to make sure that those are on slow connections. Tell the kids they can't be on the internet for the next hour. No gaming, yep. nothing. Because it doesn't take that much to get good quality audio. Number three, turn the video off. When the, yep. when the you know, that's the big thing. If you're, especially you're having, you know, bandwidth issues is turn the video off because the audio doesn't take that much, take that much bandwidth. And Go on, use something like Zoom, Rick, because he's got a browser. He can load that browser. It's not going to, you know, unless it's a corporate machine that's locked all down, I guarantee you they can use Zoom or, again, one of the meeting software applications, and I think you'll be okay. But, um, you know, I've had to do that before. Tell the kids, stop gaming. As a matter of fact, before I used when I was in Hawaii, I would make the rounds before the show and I'm like, are you doing head to head with someone online? Yes. Okay. Uh, 10 minutes. You got to pull the plug cause I'm going live and I need the bandwidth. So well, in his case, in his case, he's out in like, when I'm talking about a remote area, I'm talking about a more rural area. Sure. So his bandwidth is really terrible. Mine is uh, my rural area is 13 down three up. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, we're, yeah, we're trying to get him, him, uh, situated with that, but, uh, He's, he's had issues with uh, his service provider there in that area. So it, it hasn't, it hasn't been very good where he is. Uh, so that that's, what we're trying to work through. The funny thing is, is that they've got uh, a decent cable coming, you know, down in his area, down his street, but for some reason they can't connect that up house. So uh, $13,000 for me to run a cable to where I'm at rurally to to basically bring cable to my house. It's a mile and a quarter away. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, those are, those are all issues we're having to work through, um, doing remote, uh, podcasting and, and streaming and that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm very fortunate because I'm in an area where my bandwidth is pretty decent where I can, I can stream You know, I can do my drink with Rick thing, uh, on Saturday nights and it's not really a big issue. Um, that sort of, uh, you know, doing these podcasts, but for some people that are having to, to deal with very remote or rural, um, bandwidth issues, that's, uh, you know, it's always going to be an issue. Rick, until one, we get that fixed. one thing Jennifer just said in the, uh, chat room, double enders. So you guys can yep. go back to that. That's what we did in the very early days when everyone had crappy bandwidth. But, You've done that. Actually, you and I've done that before, yeah. I think, uh, sometime back. Yeah, that's actually what we're working on for the next episode. Is just doing a double ender. I suggested that to him uh, yesterday, so uh, we're looking at that. All uh, right. Some of the uh, the streaming platforms are are going to be implementing um, the the double enders concepts as well. So I, I believe um, Squadcast supports the double ender recording concept right now, and I believe um, Streamyard is going to be implementing it very soon. So you're going to be able to get better audio quality out of even these live streaming platforms. Yeah. 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 Well, Rick, thanks for coming on. We're, I think we're approaching two hours here. I think we better pull the plug. 
Well, thanks for having yeah. me, guys. I really yeah. appreciate it. Hey, happy to be on. So, Rob, I think maybe that's what we'll do. If, if you're uh, part of this audience, and we'll be here next Saturday with you again. And if you want to join us for the live conversation, just have your, you're going to have Skype loaded up and uh, <laughs> we'll uh, advertise the, the, I don't want to announce it. I, maybe I did earlier. I don't want to really announce it over the show because we got prank callers as well, but we'll put the Skype address up mm-hmm. um, during the show live. You'll be able to see that and we'll make some time for you to come in and, and just, we can jaw the jaw and we're all just right. kind of, we're all bouncing off the walls. And I think it's, you know, it's one thing for us to think about too, is maybe we do a second show that's just call-ins. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. just up to, you know, your time and my time. Yeah. But we're definitely, you know, we definitely have more time now because we're not doing events. Yeah. So we might be able to, to do a second show that's just call-ins. Yeah. And we could have that, uh, it doesn't have to be on Saturday either. So let us right. know what you think about that. Right. And, uh, cause you know, I, I think a lot of us are going to this because we understand my mom said it yesterday. Uh, my sister has a laundromat and they're still manning it. They're central service. So they have one person there. And my mom said yesterday, she's starting to see the anxiety level of people go up right. and they're getting a little stir crazy. and. They just want to talk to someone that's not in their own house or maybe moms and dads who got the kids and everyone just needs a little pressure relief valve. So I think that's my thought process here on this is, is if we have extended time on Saturday where you guys can kind of come in and let us know what you're doing and we can release the pressure valve for some of you. I think that will, will be good because I think, I think everyone's feeling, I felt a heck on Monday of last week. I was just like, oh my God. I, and I actually took a long walk because I just needed to, to get out and do things. Tomorrow, uh, we're going to do a family project. We're going to take the entire family and we're going to do chainsaw work. We're going to cut some stuff down that needs to be, has needed to be done. Plenty of time to get outside, do some social distancing. We're in the country. We can do this. But everyone else is kind of stuck in their abodes and it's, yeah, it could be a long time. It could be, yeah, two, three, four more weeks before we see any relief. Depending on where yeah, you're at, it could be it, longer. It, I mean, it, it could go longer. I think it's very likely it'll go longer. Yeah, You, you know, you hope these measures we've all been doing is going to pay off. Um, you know, in my community, they, they said there's only, there's a very, very few cases. But I'm in rural America. I'm in, there's no big city here, but. You know, 110 miles away, there's 3,000 cases in Detroit. So, right. And um, how much testing has been done? So, how much do we really know? Well, we don't. And if we'd had everyone tested, we'd probably find out the death rate of the thing is like, you know, flu level. But that's the problem. We just don't know. Right. But it's, it's, we don't know. It's actually higher because you look, the hospitals don't get overrun with flu, but they're getting overrun with this. Right. So, but be safe, stay separated. Keep your hands clean, all that stuff. I don't have my COVID-19 thing ready to run today, but we've all heard it all. Rob, any parting thoughts before we pull out of here? No, I just, I think it might be really great for us to do a, do a call-in show in addition to our Saturday show. So all right. I'm, so, just, I'm just, you know, really supportive of that. So think of the time and date we'd do that, Rob, and uh, we'll put it on it. We'll, okay. we'll announce it and promote it. Yeah, yeah. I'd still love to get get some great guests on the show too. I mean, I, I, I continue to try, but I know people's schedules are kind of all over the map right now. So yeah, we had people are 
tried to get Marco, but Marco's been elusive. Yeah. So I don't know if there's, you know, things are going on with people these days. It's hard to know. Right. And Jennifer, thanks for promoting my consulting service, which I don't really have, but (laughs) if you're a major broadcaster, Hey, uh, we'll, uh, I, I can really put your package together. And we not might not be able to get anybody to ship it. I <laughs> B and H right. is shut down, but uh, you know, Guitar Center and some other places are still shipping. <laughs> right, Sweetwater. Yeah. So there's always Amazon. Uh, yeah, and you might get it in three weeks, but <laughs> well, I've been ordering stuff, and it's been coming through pretty quick. Well, that's yeah. good. I stuff I just sourced recent orders said April twenty second for a delivery date, and I was like, man, it sucks. Yeah. So, I guess it depends on what it is that you're yeah, ordering. Yeah, mine is completely non, non-essential. Right. <laughs> like I said, land cable and a couple of other things. Oh, a switch, a Netgear right. switch. Right. So. Right. All right, everybody. Todd at com at Geek News on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter as well at Rob Greenlee, and that's with two E's. And um, you can send me an email, robg at com if you want to reach out. Um, and, and I hope that you're safe and just, uh, you know, stay in and do the right thing to keep this from spreading. Rick, I see you're still hanging out. Where's your show at? Oh, uh, my show. Well, the two way radio show, that's my day job. That's at, uh, two way radio show.com or at by two way radios.com slash show. Uh, of course I do my drink with Rick wine stream every Saturday night. Going on tonight. That's at drinkwithrick.com. Uh, you can join in in the chat live, and we'll open up a bottle of wine and toast everybody and have a lot of fun. All right. Everyone, thanks for being here. And uh, make sure you switch over to IndiePodCon.com forward slash virtual. Goes on the rest of the afternoon until 5 and all day tomorrow. So everyone take care. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next okay. time. Okay, bye.